this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. It's it's going. I'm still alive, at least. It's Monday. It's the uh, first time we've ever recorded on a Monday. Yeah, that's true. Um, for most of you who probably don't know, um, this is all because of, of me this week uh, and some crazy medical stuff that I deal with over the weekend. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry for the lateness of this episode, but uh, we're back in the saddle again, and uh, let's see where we can go from here. I think that actually the timing worked out pretty well. Um, number one, because I would have felt weird um, Recording yesterday, considering the events that happened in Orlando. Sure. And then uh, today was the Apple keynote, so that gives us a few things to talk about. So I think it works out just fine. Okay, that works. And if people disagree with us, then they just won't listen, so it won't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that, that keeps forgetting that, that we do this mostly for us, um, and I have to continually remind myself of that despite the feedback that we get from people. Um I played in um, a golf tournament this weekend with uh, Drew Roulette, who uh, is, for anyone who doesn't know, um, know, the designer of our logo. Um, And he says he listens to the podcast religiously um, and gave me, you know, it's very weird to hear, um, especially from someone I respect as much as Drew, um, very weird to hear uh, feedback from him concerning the podcast. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when you find out actually who's listening. I mean, we see numbers, but it's not like there's a list of names. It's like this is person listening, this person's listening, um, and it, it, I think the the experience that I've learned from doing things previously is it's I'd say eighty percent of the people that um, support you when you do things like that are surprises. 
where you're like, oh, wow, really? Cool. Sure, sure. You know, and then and then the people that you kind of would expect to listen or something like that maybe just don't find the time. And that's, I mean, that's normal. It's not a criticism, but it's always, it's, it's kind of fun and exciting to find out when somebody tells you, oh, I listen. Oh, really? Yeah, plus I think it's more of a, it's more of a true measure of who is not necessarily friends with you, but who, who is more connected with you in a certain kind of way. Like, you know, I don't talk to Drew all that much. Um, you know, he and I are friends, of course, and we have a good time when we're, we're hanging out together and stuff like that. But it's never really been, you know, uh, something where we hang out every day or we're intensely close or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he really did resonate quite well with the, the podcast and he found a lot of the things that we talked about, especially our non-tech stuff, strangely, um, to be you know, really interesting. You know, he, he liked where we were going with a lot of that stuff and he liked our analysis um, because we're not necessarily book nerds per se. Um, I hate using terms like that, but <laughs> we're, we're not your traditional um, uh, academic, but we do know a lot about the things that we like. Um, and some of those things just happen to be academic or scholastic in nature. So I think it's really interesting to hear feedback on stuff like that. Yeah, I'd say that we're just nerds that are rough around the edges. <laughs> uh, that's a great way of putting it. I don't know. I never thought of that. That's 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 perfect. Uh, I think that that's one of the interesting things is that this whole process has brought out is just seeing how this show develops. And, you know, sometimes like I think uh, it was last week's episode, we, we talked mostly about literature yeah, and then the two before that, we focused mostly on technology, and we've gone other directions. Comic books for a while were something we were talking about a lot too. Comic book movies, sure. And I think for a while there was a part of me that was worried, like, oh, are we, you know, are we fragmenting our audience? But I think in the long run, when people find this show and they find the variety of the things that we do. There's other people out there who are interested in that similar variety of different things. Sure. And when you do anything like this, it's a matter of finding your audience. And I think that that's one of the things that marketing, uh, all these marketing articles, these marketing BS gurus um, don't explain to people. It's not about finding an audience. It's about finding your audience. Sure. Because you have to do what's true to you. And people who resonate with that will come and will follow, and those who don't won't. And you, you can't regret that. You're not, you're not gonna be Beyonce. You know, you're not gonna resonate with the majority of of the modernized world. Is a better word is a better way to say it. Um, and that's okay because you're not a pop star. We're not pop stars, Lamb. I, I hate to break it to us. <laughs> We missed the backstreet train. You know, I, I think that the one thing that I think has come through most to me in this podcast or the process of doing this podcast is the more important it becomes to us as individuals, um, you know, the more the more it becomes sincere to us and the more that, that sincerity comes across in what we talk about and how we talk about it. You know, like the, the one thing that, you know, really – it, it it physically irked me this weekend beyond being physically irked from the medical stuff um, to not be able to do the podcast when we had wanted to do it because I, I I just felt so physically horrible had to go to the doctor all that kind of stuff and 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 there was a palpable sense of loss for me when it came to not being able to talk about these things or or go through some of these things with you you know so I definitely feel like our audience 
in a lot of strange ways is the same. Um, like, you know, the common thread among the people um, that I've gotten feedback from is that they're all very genuine people. And so I think because the podcast, at least for you and I, at least for me, I don't know, I don't know if it's as much for you, um, but it feels very sincere to me. It feels, you know, like we have a lot of honesty on the show. Um, you know, the things that we talk about when it comes to our own personal demons or our own personal struggles, um, as well as the things that we're doing to overcome them. So I think that there's a real sense of sincerity that I think certain people gravitate towards um, that really comes through in how you and I are in this podcast. You know, that we're, not, we're not caricatures of who we are. We're not the, the, the perfect, polished, and, and proven versions of ourselves that we show to the world. We're just the versions of ourselves that are slowly but truly carving our way into a world that we feel best fits us as people, you know? I absolutely agree. And I think that one of the things that I really appreciate about how this show has developed is we haven't strove or striven, striven, strove. We haven't tried to become perfection Um, in the sense that every once in a while, you and I will say something that's not factually true, (laughs) not on purpose, but just because, you know, you're in the heat of a conversation, you're being taped. There's no time to like sit and like, hold on, give me three minutes to remember the correct name. Like me saying, confusing Zack Snyder and whatever that other guy's name is, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, you know, uh, times where we maybe we've attributed the wrong quote to the wrong person. And that's fine. I don't have problems with those because I think that it's should be clear that this is a conversation. This is not a rehearsed scripted show. And as a matter of fact, because I feel that more and more as we do this and it, um, the genuineness resonates with me, I've, I, this week I'm not even doing it in front of any screen. I, all I have in front of me is a piece of paper. Um, I'm not going to look at anything. I'm not going to try to remember what I wanted to talk about. I have on the piece of paper a couple of notes that I took during the keynote. If we get around to those, we get around to them. We don't, we don't. But I, I love the organic nature of the show. When it's when it's the most organic, it feels the best to me. Yeah, and I feel like the last couple of times um, that we've done the show, because it's been so, because our schedules are so frantic and there's so much stuff going on in, in our respective lives, whether it's, you know, directly with us or whether it's, you know, us helping people move, for example, um, or the, the, the trials and tribulations that come along with just trying to survive in the Bay Area, I think we don't have time to be insincere, um, and we just don't have the energy for facades anymore. <laughs> right. And so I, I think in a lot of ways that we, we, we've shed these, these long-built skins because the skins have just become so exhausting. It's, it's kind of fun when you, when you think about in a year, in two years, three years, or whatever, we can look back at these, and, and it's not going to be... Uh, like, oh, we could have done this better. We could have done that better. When we look back at these, it's going to be more like an archive of our lives sure. in the sense that we're touching on things that are very personal to us, even if they're not personal, personal of nature. Sure. Um, and I think that you have the same experience I have is one of the most interesting things for me is when we're done with this and I listen to the recording. Yeah. Because half the times you and I have talked about it in text message before, half the times we sound far more intelligent than we thought we would <laughs> yeah there there are times where i i, I believe my I, I just think i sound like a total goober but you know to go back on the the point that you just just hit on a second ago you know i i think i think i've become i used to be really apologetic about my errors when it comes to the show remember we used to have a, a section at the beginning of the show where we used to you know go through and and do corrections and apologies and all that kind of stuff like yep. we stopped doing that after three episodes just because i just 
I don't care. You don't fact check during a conversation at a bar. You know, you don't you don't take a walk with someone in the woods and, and Google someone's name that you forget. You try to remember it and you might remember it wrong. And if you can't remember it, you move on. <laughs> and I think that's the progression of our conversations and that's what I really like about them. And I think that what we both also learned in the long run is nobody else cared either. Yeah, it's true. I wasn't getting any messages from people telling me, dude, you said the wrong name. Now, granted, our audience isn't in the millions. When you when you reach the millions, I'm sure that you get those, but then you don't have time to look at all of them. So sure, we're safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, I'm going to look back at this on two and, in two and a half years and and realize that for almost four months of your life, you didn't know the difference between Brian Singer and Zack Snyder. I still find that to be hilarious. I still can't tell you the difference between the two of them right now, <laughs> except for one of them made uh, Usual Suspects. Yep, that is Mr. Brian Singer. I, I the only reason I remember Brian Singer to with the level of clarity that I do, to be honest with you, is because of the usual suspects and because of how how brilliant I thought that movie was and how low budget it was um for, for the time too as well. I actually need to watch that again. I haven't seen it probably since it came out. Really? Wow. Huh. I've yeah. seen that I must have seen that movie about five or six times by now. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like it doesn't feel like something that I've gone back to. And it's not out of dislike. I remember really liking that movie. It's just when you really think about the pile of stuff that you could continually watch, you could easily never go back and see the same thing again and never watch a boring film. Sure. But I think, um, yeah, guy, you said this three weeks ago to me, um, and I think it really stuck with me in a way that I, I didn't quite realize until – you know, I, I realized I was kind of digging out a lot of really old stuff. Um, I think it's really important to build time capsules um, for certain periods of your artistic life um, or, or, or interest. Um, like, for example, I, I, I recently kind of made a list of certain movies that I really like and that I, would, I, would, I could watch at any point in my life and, st- and still like to the degree that I did when I first watched them. And I think it's really, really important to have those those that list of, of, of artistic things or creative things that inspire you, or even if it's not artistic or creative, if you're not that kind of person, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, a sunset at Land's End in San Francisco, or it's the tree at Point Lobos, um, or it's a certain Radiohead song, or it's a certain movie, or whatever it may be, or even if it's walking down a certain beach with a certain person, there's something about certain um, experiences that gives you a tactile sense of inspiration. You know, it's that fluttering in the heart, it's that, that, that churning of the blood, it's that desire to want to go and create or be creative or or do something exceptional or do something extraordinary and i think that having that 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 catalog of things that 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 brings that out in you is really really important i think a lot about um there's a book called bad seed and it's a biography of nick cave and in that book there's a section where he's talking about where they're living in new york they've um, they're from australia They've come to New York after I think they had been – actually, I'm sorry. It's when they're in London. They're living in a flat in London, and they're living really, really impoverished. I mean, like, because this is not Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. This is mm-hmm. the birthday party, the band before, and wow. I mean, they're, they're just a punk band that's not even – maybe not even a punk band. You know, like, they – they weren't really part of a movement because they were from Australia. So like they don't even, they've just, they've been ad- adopted by this music scene, but it's not really the music scene that they necessarily were trying to be part of. And they're sure. ta- talking about how they're living in this apartment, all of them together. And um, one of the things that they, they have two records, that's it. And they just continually play the two records. 
And one of them is James Chance and the Contortions, which is kind of like an avant-garde, like, jazz, proto-punk thing. And then the other one is metal. The second the second um, album by Public Image Limited, I think it's mm-hmm. called M- Metal Box. Yeah. Um, those are the only two albums that they have. And they just continually play those over and over again. And in the book, Nick Cave's trying to say that he doesn't think that those albums had an effect on their sound. But if you go and play one of those two albums and then you play The Birthday Party, it's kind of undeniable that it's in their sound. Sure. And it happened on a, a like a subcutaneous level. You know, like it just it slipped under their skin. And uh, when you read Patti Smith's book, Just Kids, she's talking about a similar situation where her and Robert Maplethorpe are living impoverished in New York. And she has like four or five books, um, and they have like five or six albums. And both of those things are just so appealing in the sense because it's exactly what you're saying. It's like opening a shoebox or time capsule is what sparked it all for me. It's just opening it up and going, here's my stuff. Mm -hmm. It takes all the choice out of all of that, you know. It's like the In-N-Out burger thing. You know, you got three burgers, pick one. (laughs) So you're pulling stuff out, but then you're you're getting so in depth with those few things mm-hmm. that you're probably getting more than the people that are getting variety. And, sure. and I remember, you know, like I'm sure you remember prior to the big boom of the internet, that's how we all existed. I had, you know, whatever, 10, 15 albums maybe. And I would just continually listen to those over and over again. And then you got really excited that once or twice a year when you got to get a new one. Yeah, because it was it was welcoming something else into the pantheon, and they weren't always the best albums, but they were the albums you had. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like I remember one of the CDs that I had my first like fifteen or ten or fifteen CDs was um, "Throwing Copper" by Live. Wow, that's old. I I actually remember loving that album too. Go ahead. It's not a. It's, I mean, it's not an album that are people going to say you know that should be on the. Rolling Stone top 100 albums of all time. But it's a good album and it's 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 made by a band that was in love with RM. Um but I listen to that album all the time. Why? Because it's one of the ones I had. And I'm sure in some way there's an undeniable influence of that in any time I make music in some sub some subconscious level. And what if I still just listen to those 15 albums? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Sure. And there are certain it, beyond the the albums themselves. Um, I remember the Benz, for example, which is the, the the album that basically did it for me when it came to Radiohead. I probably owned maybe five or six copies of that CD because I used to just wear them out. Like I used to just absolutely destroy them, you know. Um, and I mean, even when it comes to to certain, like I remember Live as a band, for example. Like I did, I don't think about Live much, but there's a particular Live song that isn't really one of their big songs, but I just always, I just always love that song, um, Lakini's Juice. Do you remember that song? Oh yeah, that was the name of the album too, right? Was it? I don't remember. But for some odd reason, that song was always one of those songs that the first time I heard it, it just kind of hit me, and it became a song that just permanently stayed in my head. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, it's funny because. Um, I know that you have this recent thing about rediscovering time um, and kind of rediscovering what time is to you. But for me, I think with the artistic things, I think it removes the sense of time and more places me in a certain spot in my brain, um, like a, a certain evolution of consciousness or a certain, you know, um, 
a certain evolution of my artistic desire or create your creative uh, creative inspiration and i think that that's what ultimately ties me back to those particular pieces right and that's the i mean i think that's the importance of surrounding yourself with just those things but i mean i think that's why i've been obsessed with these tiny house shows recently because i see people living in these tiny houses and 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 what i'm thinking number one i'm watching because i'm going that's a really cool little way to pull a desk out of a wall that wasn't there before (laughs) or something like that you know because i'm thinking of like just neat things like that but also there's part of me that's going these people are living in sometimes 200 square feet They've gotten rid of all of the extraneous stuff. Mm -hmm. So all the stuff that they have in that house, that's the stuff that we're talking about right now. Like when they, if they have a record player and they bust out albums, they don't have shelves full of records. Mm -hmm. They've got 15 albums and those are the ones they love. They're like, hey, we're going to listen to Blonde on Blonde again today because, well, it's Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, true. I I, I I hope that's the trend of the future. That all 